welcome to The Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. We continue our reading in Proverbs with chapter 21. The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of Yahweh. He turns it wherever he will. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but Yahweh weighs the heart. To do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to Yahweh than sacrifice. Haughty eyes and a proud heart, the lamp of the wicked, are sin. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. The getting of treasures by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor and a snare of death. The violence of the wicked will sweep them away because they refuse to do what is just. The way of the guilty is crooked, but the conduct of the pure is upright. It is better to live in a corner of the housetop than in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. The soul of the wicked desires evil. His neighbor finds no mercy in his eyes. When a scoffer is punished, the simple becomes wise. When a wise man is instructed, he gains knowledge. The righteous one observes the house of the wicked. He throws the wicked down to ruin. Whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. A gift in secret averts anger, and a concealed bribe strong wrath. When justice is done, it is a joy to the righteous, but terror to the evildoers. One who wanders from the way of good sense will rest in the assembly of the dead. Whoever loves pleasure will be a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. The wicked is a ransom for the righteous and the traitor for the upright. It is better to live in a desert land than with a quarrelsome and fretful woman. Precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. Whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life, righteousness, and honor. A wise man scales the city of the mighty and brings down the stronghold in which they trust. Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Scoffer is the name of the arrogant, haughty man who acts with arrogant pride. The desire of the sluggard kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. All day long he craves and craves, but the righteous gives and does not hold back. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination. How much more when he brings it with evil intent? A false witness will perish, but the word of a man who hears will endure. A wicked man puts on a bold face, but the upright gives thought to his ways. No wisdom, no understanding, no counsel can avail against Yahweh. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to Yahweh. This is the word of the Lord. Verse 1 about the king's heart being like a stream of water in the hand of Yahweh. God's in control. Romans 13, that God gives every governing authority that we have in this world. God is in control. And a faithful, a good king has that more so because he trusts in God's word, so he's going to seek God's guidance. But the Lord works through wicked kings as well. He used the Assyrians to crush Israel in judgment. He used Babylon to destroy Assyria. He used Babylon to destroy Judah. He used Persia to destroy Babylon and so forth. The Lord works. He can make happen what he wants to have happen. Verse 2, every way of a man's right in his own eyes. That's our pride. But Yahweh weighs the heart so he knows whether our ways are actually right or not. 
to do righteous and justice is more acceptable to Yahweh than sacrifice. This is a pretty good one to have a family conversation around because you can use an easy illustration. Talking to your kids, do you think I'd rather you listen to my rules and do what I tell you to do, or that I would rather you break my rules so that I have to discipline you and punish you? Now, that should be easy for your kids to answer, right? This is the way it is with the Lord as well. He doesn't want us to sin against him. He doesn't want us to be in rebellion against him. He would rather us be faithful and true and not need to make the sacrifice for sin of the Old Testament. Now, we're in the New Testament era. Christ has done it once and for all, all of our sin taken away. But that's the general picture here. Better to do righteousness and justice than to have to sin, well, than to sin and have to sacrifice. That's our picture. Haughty eyes, proud heart, lamp of the wicked. I'm referring likely to their path again, that it lights the way. These things are sin. Not good. The plans of the diligent lead to abundance. Why? Because they work, they labor. But everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. That gets to the almost get-rich-quick schemes of our day, and really true of lottery winners as well, Uh, not just winners, losers too. Those who play the lottery frequently hoping to get rich from it, they're usually the poorest among us. And those who do get rich from it, that richness usually fails because they don't know how to handle it or manage it. And they squander it all. Getting of treasures by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor and a snare of death. Verse 6, earthly and final judgment. This is true. So their lying ways, their deceiving ways uh, will bring evil upon them in this world because eventually their neighbors will get sick of it and seek to punish to get some kind of revenge. But it's also the judgment that they are trapped in the snare of death. They are trapped in their sin. The violence of the wicked will sweep them away. They refuse to do what is just. Very much the same thing. Verse 8, the way of the guilty is crooked. The conduct of the pure is upright. So now we've got the contrast between these two. So instead of going the way of sin, we would seek the way of the Lord. Verse 9, it is better to live in a corner of the housetop than in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. And this is, I think, the, at least the fourth of these comparison kind of statements Verse 19 gives us another one, very much the same idea. It's better to live in a small corner or even in the desert than to live with a quarrelsome wife. Ladies, take that to heart. Seek to not be quarrelsome, but to bring peace to your homes. And men, if you know a woman who's quarrelsome, she's not a good target for making her your wife. So, practical wisdom. In verse 10, the soul of the wicked desires evil. His neighbor finds no mercy in his eyes. So, the people around him recognize his evil ways and that he's only going after evil all the time. When a scoffer is punished, the simple becomes wise. So, the the evil man, the scoffer, the simple, actually learns from punishment, even though he wouldn't hear the instruction. Whereas the wise man doesn't need to be punished he, he gains from just the teaching. He gains from the instruction. So the wise and the fool need different things. 
The righteous one capitalized in ESV indicating that they believe this to be a reference to God or to Jesus observes the house of the wicked and throws them down. It's definitely a judgment picture. It makes sense to view that as the Lord then. Whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. Again, both pictures here in the worldly sense that the community knows this man has been a Scrooge. And so when they see him fall on hard times, they'll end up treating him just like he treated those before him the same way. But it's also true of the judgment. Matthew 25, as Jesus speaks to the goats on his left that he has separated out, they didn't care for the least of these, so now they are being rejected by him. Verse 14 is a much, much so the world's ways, gift in secret to avert anger or a concealed bribe to get rid of wrath. If we were to take this positively, it's using earthly means to appease anger, making friends for yourself. I'm not sure we should take it positively, though. These are worldly things. Let's just say it that way again. Bribery is bad, but at least note that the person is using it to get rid of anger and wrath. Verse 15, when justice is done, it is a joy to the righteous, but terror to the evildoer. The righteous man has nothing to fear in judgment, but the evildoer has everything to fear in judgment. So this is very much a simple and true statement. One who wanders from the way of good sense will rest in the assembly of the dead. That is, he will be dead. It leads to his own destruction. Whoever loves pleasure will be a poor man because he will have squandered his wealth, which shows up in the next line, that he loves wine and oil. That's olive oil, by the way, uh, most likely here. Food, something that you use to cook with. The wicked is a ransom for the righteous and the traitor for the upright. That's a tough line. Uh, Best way to take it is probably the idea that their fall gives others the opportunity to learn and to repent. And those who repent are righteous because they trust in Christ. So it's not that like we're using the wicked to buy the righteous or something like that. Ransom is a bit of an interesting word here. But again, it's God's judgment in the moment gives those who survive that judgment the opportunity to learn and to repent. Verse 20, precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. Similar to verse 17, but also encouraging saving, having enough. Whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life, righteousness, and honor. Again, a double and. Uh, This is now and it's also in paradise. That those who seek to do the Lord's will, we are the family of Christ and we live forever. Not because we've done the Lord's will and we all fail and fall short of that, but As Christians, as his people, we want to and we strive to, even though we don't always get it right. It also works in the now, that those who are are doing well, walking in the ways of the Lord, loving others in their community, things will will go well for them. I don't say that prosperity gospel-wise. It was much more so that way in the ancient land of Israel. But again, just in your community, as your neighbors see you act in love toward one another, they will look at you different than if you were hateful and mean.
A wise man scales the city of the mighty and brings down the stronghold in which they trust. So men trust in themselves. The wise man, that is the one who has faith in God, he can destroy the city of, of even the strongest men because he trusts in God. Think of the time where the spies were sent to spy out the promised land and they came back and they gave a negative report, including how fortified the cities were and how giant the people were. But Joshua and Caleb gave a good report and focused on the idea that Yahweh made the promise and that Yahweh would drive them out. And that's the picture here too. God is the one who fights for his people. He drives out the enemy. 23, whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue, so keep is in hold or guard, keeps himself out of trouble. So by not letting your tongue just wag to and fro and say whatever you want, whatever your sinful heart says, this is this is good. It benefits us to keep silent sometimes. Scoffer is the name of the arrogant, haughty man who acts with arrogant pride. So those things being condemned in this chapter back in verse 4 already. The desire of the sluggard kills him. His hands refuse to labor. Straightforward, right? The lazy man has nothing to eat because he didn't work. All day long he craves and craves, but the righteous gives and does not hold back. So there are some who seek to take and take. And then the righteous, the man of God, is called to give and give and give. Certainly a question you can ask your kids, which of these should we be? Which of these has God called us to be? He calls us to be generous as he is generous. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination, much more when he brings it with evil intent. So the man who doesn't trust in God but brings an offering because, well, it's just what people do, that's already an abomination to Yahweh. But now if he does it with wicked intent, thinking that maybe it will appease God and make God like him, or, I don't know, that it will be of benefit in the eyes of his neighbors, that they'll see him and think how great he is, like the Pharisees are described in the New Testament with their long prayers and, and such. That makes it even worse. Verse 28, a false witness will perish, like Ananias and Sapphira in the book of Acts, as they lied about how much they sold their land for. But the word of a man who hears will endure. So, Hearing leading to faith because we received the instruction of the Lord. And so his word endures because his word is to speak of God and the good things of God. A wicked man puts on a bold face. That is, he gets ready for his lies and his day. And he just goes about doing what he believes he should do. But the upright gives thought to his ways. He actually plans. He takes wisdom into consideration. He discerns. He takes counsel. However, no wisdom, no understanding, no counsel can avail against Yahweh. His ways are truly higher than our ways. The foolishness of God is better than the the wisdom of men. The weakness of God better than the strength of men. And we know those things to be the cross. They don't make sense to us. They don't make sense to the unbeliever. And yet it is God's plan to save us. And finally, the horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to Yahweh. So we again make our plans. But if we're going to win like the wise man scaling the city in verse 22, it's not because of our own self, but it's because of the Lord and it's because of faith. And this is how God works. He doesn't work in the ways of the world. He doesn't need the ways of the world. 
He calls us to trust in him above all things. And we can know the victory does belong to Yahweh. The victory belongs to Jesus, who has conquered sin, death, and the devil. Again, not in a way that makes sense, not by military might, but by laying down his life, shedding his blood to cleanse our sin and to take away the devil's power, to take away the devil's ability to hold your sin against you, to accuse you in the court of heaven. Amen. Thanks be to God.